Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Feels like we're in July as well, which are, but uh, July is a little bit colder, so it's harder to get up in the morning and come together. So uh, let me just encourage you to, to continue to uh, do what you can to get up in the morning online church where you could just sit back in the recliner and jammies and uh, but but there is something so so powerful when we get together and i was thinking the whole COVID season uh and and the restrictions of isolation that, that we experienced and i was thinking about you know the the corporate gathering the, the coming together of the saints who worship god and i, I just thinking of places like china where you can actually be persecuted for coming together where you can be put in jail, where you could be killed for, for joining together. And they still do it. They put their lives on the line to come together to celebrate Jesus. And we don't want to get into some sort of complacent mentality that, that there's no uh, joy, there's no benefit, there's no great thing when we come together. So let me encourage you to, to continue to come with attitudes of worship as we gather to honor and worship Jesus together. As Pastor Ash said, we are reading through, we are going through a series on Galatians, and uh, it is my privilege this morning to kick that off. And I want to invite Andreas to come and read a passage of Scripture for us. And I was wondering this morning, if as we're reading the Word, if we could do something and actually stand together, uh, just posture ourselves in a place of honor and to, to, to honor God's Word, to honor God, uh, stand together and as he reads it. We just want to position our hearts as you know, the, the word is spoken. Okay, I'm reading from Galatians 1, 1 10. Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All brothers and sisters here, join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God, Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. You are fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel of heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one he preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Honestly, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Thank you, Andreas. As we're still standing, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, what has been um, written and recorded. And today, as we dive into the scriptures, Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would bring revelation to our hearts, that your truth would intersect our lives right where we are, right in this moment, and it would be as fresh today as it was when it was penned. 
God, we thank you that you inspired Paul to write a letter um, to a group of churches. Father, we pray that, that the, the, the application and the, and the word for the morning would come into our hearts, would change our lives. Lord, let us see what you are wanting to, to show us and let us hear what you are wanting to speak to us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can grab your seat. Today we are reading from Galatians 1, uh, chapter 1 through to 10, and I'm going to break this down a little bit. And uh, just to start off, I wanted to tell you a, li- a little bit of a story that I heard about uh, Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham, when he was a, a young evangelist, he would travel through different cities in, in America. He would go to, to different, uh, places that the gospel and uh, do crusades and do big mings where uh, you know, lots of people come and they would encounter Jesus. And uh, one time when he was small, a uh, small tent to this place, and they were holding a crusade. And uh, he, he wanted to, uh, while he was there, he wanted to post a letter. And so he was walking down the street looking for the post office. And uh, he comes up to a young man, and he says to the young man, Sir, uh, would you be able to help me find the post office? And so the young man points it out to him and says, just go down there. Uh, it's just down that street there, turn left, and then you'll find the post office. And he says, thank you for that. I'm, I'm in town this week, and I'm doing a crusade. I'd love you to come along. And, uh, if you come along, you know, I'm going to be talking to people about how you can get to heaven. And the boy, the, the boy looks at him and says, uh, I probably won't be coming. And he looks at him and says, why that? And he goes, because you don't even know how to get to the post there's a Sunday school session going on, not in our church, in a, you know, probably a different one, where um, <coughs> the Sunday school teachers ask kids, you know, how do you get to heaven? And she says to them, if I was to sell all of my stuff, and I was to get all the money that I had, and I get to, to the poor, would I get to heaven? And the kids say, no. And she goes, what if I volunteered all of my time? I just did lots of good things. I just went out and, and served all of these different areas. Would I get to heaven? And the kids say, no. And she says, okay, then tell me, how do I get to heaven? And a little five-year-old stands up and he says, well, you need to die. <laughs> there's been questions and, and there's been conversations around what it means to enter into the kingdom of God, what it means to come into salvation, what it means to come into relationship with, with God for ages. And um, as we enter into the book of Galatians, we see that one of the, the major themes throughout the book of Galatians is Paul addressing uh, some wrong belief, some wrong teaching that has crept into the church. Now, at the time of Paul's writing, uh, we, see, we, we can see the gospel has been going throughout the lands. And people are coming to know Jesus. They're coming to, to experience salvation. They're, they're being planted in churches. They're coming together. They're gathering. They're worshiping. They're learning. They're growing. Disciple being made. It's a great church. And uh, at the same time that this is happening, there are different groups and different sets of, of religious teachers, uh, Judaizers, or have I pronounced that, Judaizers that, that are coming into different churches, uh, into different uh, groups, and uh, teaching other things. And Paul writes a letter to the Galatians to correct a lot that's been taking place and to bring the proper direction to the gospel. And uh, in the start of Galatians, we see that's what Paul's intention is as he writes this. There's a certain group of Jews that had, uh, you know, heard that, that particularly that Gentiles, though outside of the Jewish faith, had been being saved, that they'd been 
um, to encounter and experience Jesus. And they weren't necessarily, some of them weren't necessarily too happy about this. Some of them couldn't really understand this. And so they almost reconciled it by saying, okay, if you're going to come to God, uh, you need to also make sure that you observe all of the Jewish tradition, all of the Jewish commands. Which meant that you can, yes, you can have faith in Jesus, but you have to observe Torah, you have to observe the law, you have to uh, be circumcised, you've, you've got to be uh, uh, follow the Sabbath, you have to make sure that it's not just Jesus, you have to also do these. And it's uh, the, the, the thinking idea is that the, the kingdom of God, the family of God, had been the Jews, and they were seeing now the Gentiles were being added into it. Some of them couldn't reconcile that, and so they were like, no. Make sure that the people that are coming to you, they're being circumcised, they're observing the law. And Paul hears about this, and he's like, no. And you see throughout the letter, he's, he's not necessarily uh, too happy about what's taking place. So he writes the letter to Galatians to instruct them, to help them, to bring them back to God, and to understand what he's been yeah, what he taught and what the gospel message is. And I'm, I'm going to read back there in first. Galatians 1, verse 1, says again, This is a Paul, This is a letter from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed any group of people or human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and God Father who raised Jesus from the dead. The first thing that we Paul doing is introducing himself as typical of his writings of his epistles, the letters he sent out. But in this context in particular, he doesn't just reduce himself, but he also almost defends his position. And what has happened, we can read as we see, and we'll see as we go over the next couple of weeks, is that the uh, people that had come in to kind of distort or had started to distort the gospel, uh, in order to break down Paul's message, aim to break down his authority. In order to, to, to uh, make his message not, not stand, that they attacked his authority, attacked who he was. And so he's writing here, that I am actually an apostle. I have authority which was not given to me by man, was not given to me by human form, by the revelation of God himself. And uh, it's important for us to see this, that, that Paul, at the beginning of this letter, uh, affirms who he is and who he has called to be. He affirms both his entity and the calling that God's given him. And he says, not human, I have not been appointed by human humans, it's by God himself, it's by the relation of God. It's through him. Arguments attacked at that time by breaking down the reputation of the person who was speaking. I don't know if you've ever been in a debate before. Or you've been in, in a conversation before. And uh, one of the things that can take place is as your argument is being uh, rebutted, as, as someone's speaking against your argument, they, they stop speaking against the argument and they start attacking you as a person or breaking down your identity or saying who you are. Well, you don't have the authority to say this. That's what's taken place here with Paul. But uh, as I was reading this this week, I was just reminded of, of, of the fact that we have to remember and plant our uh, identity in Christ himself, not what other people would say about us, not what other people would write at us, not what other people would show us ourselves. What is really, really important for us is to find our identity in what Christ says about us. We sing that song this morning, who you say that I am. And here is the first kind of thought as we, we enter to Galatians. It's this, whose you are defines who you are. Whose you are defines who you are. 
Our world would tell us that we are uh, many different things. You would probably already have had suggested to you of your life. Uh, you should be like this. You should live this. You should think like this. You should act like this. You should believe this. It's who you are. Culture tell us. Other people tell us. We have messages in our minds at times that would tell us this is who we are. The most important thing that we have to understand is what God says about us. And Paul is in this place. He's an argument where his message is being debunked or, or, or is being... Uh, retaliated against, he, he first and foremost affirms his identity. I am called by God. I am an apostle. And I don't think this is a, a, a statement of arrogance. I don't think it's a state of ego or, or elitism. I believe that this is Paul, you know, saying that I have been called by God and he has given me the authority to do this. It's him that calls us. It's him that defines us. I, I asked you this morning, where do you derive your identity? Where are you getting your identity from? And we say, you know, identity is a, a young person's issue. It's just, you know, teenagers are trying to find their identity. Can I say to, I say to you that there are uh, older people who have no idea who they are. There are, there are people right now that have got no idea who they are. There is really an attack on identity in our world. And so it's important for us to understand that whose we are finds who we are. You are, God says that you are. And your life is defined by what he says about, not what anyone else says about you. And Paul here is affirming that his, his message is valid, not because he uses great words, but because God appointed him. And when you understand that you are called by God, let me tell you this, you become less uh, sensitive to what others say about you. When you find your identity in Christ, you will find security from and in this world. Because people are going to say things. There's going to be times when they were, when were attacked. This is not the only time that Paul's apostleship was questioned. It's not the only time that his credentials were questioned. He threw this over and over and over again. And, and I, I want to tell you this. If you do things for God, if you want to for Jesus, you've you got to be prepared for, for the attack on your identity. Because the enemy in particular doesn't want us to know who we are. He doesn't want us to know who we are. And so he wants to break down our identity. And so I asked this morning, where do you derive your identity? Are you getting it from what Jesus is about you? What God has spoken over you? Or is it the, the broken and distorted images that others have given us? Where do you find your identity? Place your identity. Find your identity in Christ and Christ alone. I was speaking to a group of year at uh, Ellenbrook Christian College uh, last year and uh, on identity and, and the importance of knowing who be what. And as the year 11s, they're starting to think, you know, what am I going to do with my life? What, what, what's coming next? What job? What's my career? And I, I, I just felt to say, it's more important to work out who be you work out what. When you know who you are, then that will inform and define what you do. We spend so much thinking about what I wanted in my life and not time thinking about who I am becoming. And for younger people in particular, uh, there is such a pressure on them to be what everyone else wants them to be rather than what Jesus has called them to be. One of my favorite thoughts is uh, you have never actually seen your face. You've never seen your face before, Physically. You've seen a reflection of your face, whether that be a mirror or a camera or, or, or a picture. You haven't physically seen your face, and so your, your, you know of your face is actually a reflection of what has shown to you. 
So what if the mirror was distorted or what if the mirror was broken? What if the lens was out? Then you receive a distorted picture of who you are. Culture gives us a distorted picture of who we are. And if we only get our, our face, we only see our reflection based on what others say of us, what others think of us, or what others tell us we should be, then we will have a distorted identity. It's only Jesus can define you. The one who created you, the one who formed you, he has right to define you. And the, his definition of you should bring life to you. He loves you. As, as I was thinking of you, two weeks ago, I was like, I can't wait to get to, to meeting together and having one of Norman's hugs. And I don't even like hugs. But I just felt to encourage you, you, you call me press all the time. <laughs> I just feel the encouragement. I was thinking of you, and I was getting tears in my eyes, thinking of how precious you are. You are such a precious person. We love you so much. And I just felt God's heart overwhelming the Father's love for you. Just to encourage you, you are precious. Oh. <laughs> but what does God say about you? Let that find you. Let that shape you. Or as he's being here attacked, that he's been, they're trying to debunk him. They're trying to like say that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he speaks of, you know, I've been called by God. Let the call of God. What, what has God said about you? Let that, let that wait you. We read in verse 6 and it says, I'm sure that you were turning away so soon from God who called you himself through the mercy of Christ. You are following a different that pretends to be the good news, but it's not good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Here is the second thought on a brief morning. We've got some news and we've got some bad news. And Paul says that, that I've preached the good news to you, but here is some bad news. You're listening to someone give good news that's not actually good news. Guess what? There's no gray area. If it's not the good news, then it's bad news. Because if it's the good news, then it's not going to bring the fruit that God wants from the gospel that He has intended from the gospel. And so the Galatians have they've they've started out, they've received the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that He came to die for their sins, that by His death they now have life. They have relationship with the Father. The gospel speaks of two sides. It speaks of you know, Jesus saved us from our sin. He saved us from death. And he saved us to God. He has saved us to the kingdom. He has saved us to his family. That is good news. And as, as the Galatians had started out with the good news, Paul says that you, you started out like this, but now you've turned away so soon from God. And I've got some bad news for you. The good news you're listening to, it's actually good news. It's bad news because it's a distortion of the truth. They were like, yeah, we've got Jesus, but we also have circumcision and we, we're observing law and, uh, uh, and we have to do this and this and this. And it was like, no, Jesus came to set you free. He paid the penalty. He took on your sin. You are free in Christ. So don't become a slave again. That's not good news. Stay in good news. Stay in the gospel. And, and it wasn't just here in Galatia this took place. You'll see that wherever the good news was preached, there was always distortions that came. There was always, always others that came in and tried to sneak in and to teach something different. And it's not just back then. Things are happening now. As we read through the, this letter, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us as a church, make sure you know that you, the good news that you're preaching. Take stock, take inventory, look at what you are actually preaching. Is it the message of the gospel? Or have you allowed culture, have you allowed religion, have you allowed tradition to sneak in and hijack the message of the gospel? 
subtly? Have we turned to different things that others would say? Have we added works? Have we added a pressure? Or are we preaching the gospel? The gospel. The good news. You've turned away the good news and now you follow the news. And his words, his language, it's not like, oh, such a shame. Oh, you poor little Galatians. He's pretty firm with them. He's pretty, he's pretty tough with them. Because following that will not produce the life that God wants. It won't produce the fruit of the gospel. It, it, it's not Jesus plus a little bit of works. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And, and I don't know, but, but you know, it's sometimes I think we, we like it. It's, it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit more palatable. It's a little bit more understandable if we have some sense of control in salvation. Like if I know what I'm, I know that I can actually do something to to push myself on a little bit. I've got the um the step ladder of salvation over here. What was that? This is the step left salvation. And uh, you know, people grapple with this, they've struggled with this for, 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 for centuries. What do we have to do to be saved? How do we come into God's kingdom? And, uh, you know, it's easy in our minds, I think, even for, for those of the, the, the Jewish faith in this time, to, to say, well, we can actually earn it we can work toward it because if we do and if we work hard enough if we, we we can possibly earn our way there we can work our way there but where is the limit which step do we need to go on let me ask you some questions and we're gonna we're gonna play a little game this is the step ladder of station and i want to know this is the point here that this is ultimate good and this is ultimate not so good where do these people sit on the stepladder of salvation. All right, let's have a look who we got here. All right, we'll start with an easy one. Mother Teresa. Where does she sit? Up the top, right up the top? Someone's going to speak up. Here. Lower. First step. She, she, we're there. Mother Teresa. All right. Kanye West. Pre pre Jesus pre Jesus is king. Down the bottom. Low as you can go. I'm gonna put it up. So it's not quite down the bottom. Alright. Hitler. On the floor. Turn him upside down. Stay there. All right. Mark Mowen. Single-handedly has eradicated COVID-19. <laughs> Top. Above Mother Teresa. He's quite popular right now. And then we have... This was meant to be Gamaliel. Uh, who knows who Gamaliel is? Someone tell me. It was meant to be Gamaliel, who was Paul's teacher, but Gargamel came out, so we'll play. Where's Gamaliel go? 
It's not a sorry. <laughs> the stepladder of salvation. And we, 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 you know, we can kind of rank people by goodness and what they've done, and, and we can see. But it doesn't work like that. And, and it seems silly. It, it's a bit of a game, but can fall into this mentality that if I do enough, if, I just, if I'm just good enough, if I just behave enough, if I just enough of what God says, then I can kind of work my way up that ladder. But we understand as Christians that this is, it was not to be attained in the flesh. And I want to make, make sure I understand that the law was not the opposite of grace. The law was a gift of grace. But the law was never able to save us. It was only to keep us safe when the Savior came. The only one that fulfilled the law was Jesus. And so because of what He has done, we are accredited righteous. It's imputed to us. His righteousness is given to us because of what He has done. So we don't have to try and climb the ladder of salvation. We don't have to try and work harder. We don't have to try and add this, add that. We get to receive by faith the gift of grace that Jesus has given us. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to work hard for it. Stop trying to get his attention and his favor. God has given it to you. It is a gift to you. It is grace extended to you. It's this message of grace that got Paul in trouble because people couldn't understand it. How can we just by faith? How can we just, he does all the work and we, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to add it all up anymore. Just believe. Just receive it by faith. Because religion, you know, with the stepladder, religion is, it's us. It's us trying to kind of walk our way up to God. It's us trying to do what we can to get up and to reach Him. The gospel says something different. The gospel says Jesus, God Himself, came down the stepladder, came down to us, to reach us. And by faith, we receive that gift, eternal life. Not because we've done so much good. Not because we eradicated COVID-19, but because Jesus died our death, took on our penalty, the penalty for our sins, and now we have life in Him because of what He has done. That is the good news. Be careful. Do not let the good be distorted in any way. Any addition to the good news is not good news. It, it might, you might, might hear things like prosperity gospel. Or the social justice gospel. There is no addition to the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. And the gospel may produce our hearts to be, uh, you know, working toward people in social justice, but it is not the gospel itself. So we've got to be firm. We've got to be understanding. What is the gospel? And I thought about this this week. If everyone in this room to write down, what is the gospel? What would you write? And would everybody's answer be the same? And, and, and if it's not, then we've got to think, well, if we don't know what the gospel is, then how will we not know what gospel is not? And Paul's bringing them back. The Galatians, you know, we started here. You start by faith. You started by grace. Don't go back to works. Don't go back to law. No. Just stop right there. We've got good news, bad news. Stay on the good news. And I'll finish with this. You can't please them all. You can't please them all. The last part in verse 10, it says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. He rounds out this part of, uh, a part of the text by saying, I, I, I'm saying this, and I know that I'm, I'm not going to necessarily 
make a lot of friends with some of you, but I'm more worried, I'm more concerned God's opinion than of man's opinion. I know that this might upset a few people. I know that, that this is not what you've been, you've been learning, but I've I, I, I got to put God's opinion, I've got to put God's word above what anyone else says. Because I'm not here to please man. I'm not here to, to win your approval. Oh, you know the approval polls with politics? You boys doing pretty well. I'm not trying to sway his vote, by the way. But before the election, they do. They have these approval polls. And uh, what happens, politicians go around and they kiss babes. They shake hands, make promises. And then they get elected. They break promises. Why? Because they want your approval, because they want your vote, because they want you to, to say, oh, I love that policy, I love that person, I, I, I'm going to vote that person. They're looking for your approval, Paul says, I'm not out for that. I'm not going to pander to that, I'm not going to change the message, you like me. I'm not going to say, oh, you know what, you can do kind of this and that and this. No, no, this is good news, this is the gospel, uh, I don't get to change it, I don't get to define it, I just preach it. And I know that not everyone's going to be happy with that. But I'm not here to win the approval of men. I'm here because of God. People pleasing. It is a prison. Fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. To be afraid of, of people's opinions, to be afraid of what people would think, of what people would re- people reject me. I, 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 I'm that uh, many of us don't share the good news because we're worried about what other people think of us. They're just going to think I'm a freak. They're not going to listen. They're not going to. They're going to receive. And so we stop. Many of us don't think because we're afraid of people's perception. What 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 are they going to say? They're going to think of me. But I want to leave with you today. You have the stamp of approval from the one who matters. You have approval from the one who really is. You don't have to seek the approval of anyone else. Because your Father in heaven approves because of Jesus. Jesus. And so don't try to pander to please people. Live from that place. I remember a conversation. When, um, so I'll take you back to, uh, it was probably, it would have been 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. And, um, there was a transition happening in the leadership of our church. Um, the pastor at that time were handing the church over to Pastor Josh and Kylie. And at uh, that point in time, I just finished my uh, internship and I was serving and talking about putting me on staff at the church. And I was like, oh, you know, never really looking to, to be involved in ministry or anything like that. The opportunity was just continuing to grow and it was starting to grow hard. And anyway, we went away to a uh, men's camp and... I was on this camp, and there was a guy who was on the camp as well. Makes sense in the story, right? Probably didn't explain that. He was on the camp too. And um morning, he, he took it upon himself, and his intentions were too genuine, to uh, sit down and to have uh, like an hour-long conversation with me about how he didn't think I should be on staff and how I should be putting my name forward or uh, promoting myself in a way that would... In, you know, lead to me being in a position in the church. And he had a lot of reasons to that I shouldn't be doing. You know, my past, he, he talked about my experience, he talked about my age, he talked about my bad jokes. And he said, you know, and there's lots of other people that are thinking this as well. And I thought, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. 
wow, pe- people feel like we can kind of tell you're putting yourself in effort for this. I'm like, wow, people actually think that. And I felt so bad because that was in my heart. And anyway, after this little chat we had, obviously left feeling great. Um, yeah, I was thinking, man, is that, is that right? Like, oh man, like people are, people are saying this, they're talking. But I've now, in being ministry uh, for a few years, that when people say, everyone's saying it, it's usually them, someone else, their mate on Facebook. Don't try that one on me. But I was discouraged. And then yeah, I think this is the third day of the camp, and I was just spending a little bit of time by myself with God. And he led me to Jeremiah 1. And in Jeremiah 1, he said, I formed you. I called you. I appointed you. That sat with me. And received that, the revelation of what God had said and what he called was. And when I had that, that revelation of what he had said, it didn't necessarily matter anymore what opinion of someone else was. We're not there to, to win his approval. And we're not playing politics. We're serving Jesus. And he gets to call shots. So, you can't play wrong. Make sure you're, you're living for the approval of the one that really matters. Put anyone else's words, don't put anyone else's uh, approval of you above the one that really, really matters. Because he has called you. So live from place. And I was reading it in, in um, the NLT and I had to look at it in different uh, translations because he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people of God. I don't know that that's the best interpretation of that text because we have approval of God in Christ. And so to rest and live from the place where he has approved you, where he has purchased freedom, where he called you, anointed you, and has a purpose for you. Let's pray. And then we're going to share in a time of communion to, to finish our time today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.